up. Good morning. So we are in this series of messages um, called Signs of the Times. And um, we're living in them. We're living in them, yeah. Just looking out at the world, watching. Some of you I know have said, I don't even watch the news anymore. <laughs> but if you do watch the news <laughs> and you just see some of the chaotic events that are going on around the world, just the increase in lawlessness. It's like the, there's this rapidly changing social order yeah. going on. Um, and then we're dealing with this worldwide pandemic, the, the COVID virus. And, and it's really worked in so many ways to destabilize a lot of things about our life, the economy, our jobs, uh, certainly politically. It's destabilized things socially. I mean, people are distanced, not able to meet as easily. I mean, educationally, institutionally, what right. are we going to do about schools? Uh, relationally with, with people, just how far away we stay from them, how often we can meet with them. And then it's, it's brought changes, certainly at the heart level, because there's, it brings some fear and anxiety, uncertainty. What's life going to be like in the next several months or, or next year? And you know, you're hearing about a rise in depression in people's hearts. And so just right. things are moving and changing in such a fast way, not only just in America, but just globally. And we do believe that this series of messages is timely, yes. that we are experiencing. Could we be experiencing early birth pains Yes, uh, that Jesus spoke about? He said to watch and pray, to be aware of these things. So we're, we're told by the Lord himself, watch. Observe what's going on around you. Be aware of the signs of the times that are going to lead up because these signs are going to, as it leads up to the second coming of Christ, they're going to, uh, they're like birth pains. They're going to come in greater intensity, like if in, just as in a natural labor. You have a pain, it might ease up. There's a reprieve. You feel like, oh, this is great. And then, oh, any, mon- any woman in here who's going through labor, it's like, but I know what's coming. Thank God I know I'm what's a man. going to progress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. And so we know that things are going to increase in intensity and even in timing. And really, during the last seven years of the church age, this is what the Bible teaches, that the last seven years are going to be the greatest difficulty mm-hmm. of years to be alive in the earth. The Bible mm-hmm. calls it the great tribulation. Uh, when the Antichrist will rise to power, there will be a global rulership. There are things I think most of us have heard about, a one-world economy, a mark of the beast in order to buy and sell. Um, and at the same time, the judgments of God are going to be poured out on the earth against unrighteousness. And, and it's really, when you see in Scripture, like in Matthew 24, it says kingdom will rise against kingdom. Yeah. This truly is the kingdom of darkness rising against the kingdom of light. And it will culminate, if we use that word epic a lot, but this is a really good <laughs> word, an epic battle where the Lord Jesus will come back. After the rapture of the church, he will come back and bring set us up with his, him. and bring us with him and set up his kingdom here on the earth. And so he, Jesus wants us to be aware of the signs of the times for us to truly know him. Because this is, this is what a lot of these parables are about. That often people think, well, I do know him, but he doesn't want us to just know him 
casually know him just by association. I know of someone, just like you might know your neighbor who lives four doors down, but you never really talk to them. You just know who they Come are. On. You know their name. This is good. The Lord wants us to know him personally. And that's what we're going to look at in the parable of the, of the ten virgins today. And so it's a, this COVID-19 really is a wake-up call. I completely believe it's a wake-up call. It's an early birth pain for the church to wake up and go, Yes. do I know him? Like, what is life really about? What are my priorities? And does he know me? Because it seems as though in many of these uh, parables, the Lord <laughs> responds back to some to say, I don't know you. So we want to be sure we know him and he knows us, that our relationship with him is real. Can I hear an amen? amen. And, and that our life is being built upon the rock and yes. anchor because he does say, too, that the Lord is going to shake everything that can be shaken so that things that cannot be shaken. Come on you know, will be, will be put away. So he says, I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken so that what cannot be shaken, I want to say that right, will remain. What's going to remain then? He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. And so his kingdom, his plan will come to pass. Amen. His purpose will be fulfilled. He's coming back to set up a kingdom, a thousand year reign on this earth, and it will come on to pass. On the earth. And do you believe, we have to ask ourselves, do you believe that everything will be shaken before he comes back? I do. I believe everything will be shaken. And I think the COVID virus was a little tremor, mm -hmm. like a little early birth pain, saying, how do we, how, whoa, what happens in our emotions? What happens, where do we put our trust when, th when, the, when things around us begin to shake? We talked about Noah last week. Yes. And... You know, Jesus said in the generation that he comes back, it'll be just like in the days of Noah. And I'm, let's, I just want to review. We, want, we thought this would be a good scripture to put up on the screen and review. Just as a refresher before we get into the parable of the ten virgins, Matthew 24, 38 says, For just as in the days of Noah, this is Jesus talking, mm -hmm. before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah went into the ark and they didn't know or understand until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Mm. See, nobody was paying attention in Noah's day. He's building an ark. He said he was a preacher of righteousness. I think one of the reasons why people weren't paying attention is because he's preaching about something that's going to happen that was unprecedented. No right. one had ever had seen a flood. They had never seen rain come from above. And he uh, Noah had to have talked about a worldwide judgment coming with the flood. No one had ever experienced that. So everybody's like, yeah, yeah, well, right. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. Kind <laughs> Too of, late. You know? yeah. Too late. And Hebrews eleven seven says this, by faith, though, Noah, and we could learn from this, by faith, Noah being divinely warned about things not yet seen, hmm. moved with godly fear. He sure. believed God. Even though he didn't see it in the natural, prepared an ark to save his family by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So Noah believed by faith it would happen. Right. He honored God by honoring his word and just saying, I, haven't, I don't see it, but I hear what you're saying. You're divinely warning me. And this is really what the Lord's doing through scriptures today. Correct. And when we talk about these things, it's our divine warning. Yes. Saying, hey, wake up. Right here. You know, we really do need, I, I, I like how it, love what it says here, he was moved with godly fear. We need the fear of the Lord to come upon the church. Amen. This church, 
the yes. universal church. People move with godly fear to say, oh, if this is what God says, I better listen. I better have ears to hear. Because people can be so skeptical. So true. Right? So true. I mean, they were skeptical in Noah's days. Think about it. Two by two, the animals are coming, male, female. They're going into the ark, and nobody's really, everyone's just watching, but not really taking heed. Right. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. They're just coming to the ark. I don't understand. Yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> Until the Lord shut the door. The day that finally came when the, the door was shut, and no one else was going in, and the deluge be, came to the earth, and the people were swept away yeah. in destruction. But it was too late. You know, I mm -hmm. think to myself, what must it have been like? Were they like pounding on the door at some point saying, I believe now, like let me in. But it was too late. These are really sobering thoughts. But they're wonderful they for us to think of. It's such a blessing to have this right in front of us. And just say, I do, ask yourself, do I believe this? Yes. You know, that we are given divine warnings. Do you see them? Again, one of the greatest blessings, I believe, is to let the fear of the Lord yes. and the truth of his word become a reality in our mind and heart. And so we, we pray routinely about that in our prayer We meetings, do, yes. Yeah, that the fear of the Lord would come upon the church so that we would pay attention. We wouldn't just be like people in the days of Noah, just going about our business saying, la-di-da. We need to judge our priorities is what yeah. we need to do. Yeah. And we need to soberly look at them yeah. and compare them to what the Word of God says. You know, today, yeah, we're going to take a look at uh, Matthew 25. But in Matthew 24, 25, uh, Jesus taught about the end times. And if you read 24, uh, go on and read 25 because really, in a sense, it's the same teaching. It is the last public teaching that Jesus gave... Until he was up in the upper room with just the 12 and those with him. Uh, it is one teaching. And it's uh, really, in these two chapters, you're going to see how he identifies what is going to happen in that last generation before he comes. He's uh, indicating also uh, what parables are emphasizing. The parables in there are emphasizing how uh, we are to, re his people are to respond to his leadership in this end time portion of life that we're in right now. It's important for us, it really is important for us to develop his character and walk out the things that are before us. Because what's coming is that you and I individually are going to stand before Christ. And it's going to be a judgment. Not a, If you're born again, not a judgment whether or not you're on heaven, going to heaven or you're going to hell. It's a judgment of rewards. How did you live your life? It's going to be you're going to suffer loss or it's going to be rewarded. This is really important. It's important. You know, it highlights that how God's people have to have spiritual endurance during these times. Do you understand that? You're, you're being tested right now. I'm being tested right now. It's important for us to understand that, you know, with 24 and 25, it teaches us not only how to live our lives during this this time period of really in a sense the you know birth pains but the key is it also in those indicates how we can live in victory during this rough time yeah. 
It's right here in front of us. And today we're going to look at, like Pastor Mamie says, we're going to take a look at the, the parable of the ten virgins. We're going to break it down. And I want you to pull that up on the screen if you could. I want you to notice, look at how it starts. At that time, at that time, Jesus is referring to the theme of what he had in chapter 24. It's a continuation. It's going to be in verse in chapter 25 at the end of the age it's going to be the church is going to be like the virgins going out to meet the bridegroom. So let's pay attention to what we have here. If, if when you're reading the Bible, the Bible's divided up in chapter and verse only because it helps you study. It was never divided up in chapter and verse. But men put that in there so we could study it out and we could find, just like today, if we pull up a certain scripture, it'd be easy for a person to find it and follow along. And that's what we want you to do is follow along. Follow along because the word of God, the written word of God is the bread of life. So let's take a look. Matthew 25, and it starts out with at that time. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of the virgins were foolish and five were wise. The foolish one took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was in a long time in coming and they all become drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come and meet him. And all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were there, who were ready, went in with him to the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Later the others came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Therefore, keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. There's so many facets to this parable, and we're going to put it together. But the main emphasis on this is the virgins are to cultivate, and you and I are considered virgins in Scripture. We're betrothed to Jesus Christ. It's for us to understand that we must maintain and develop the intimacy in the relation with the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. He's the bridegroom. Yeah. And we are the bride. Yeah. Right. It says that we are to stay connected with our heart, our spirit with him. Yeah. Through the mundane of life, every day of life. Over our lifetime, not just the yeah. last week Pastor Mamie talked about everybody can start off with zeal. But it's the mature ones who stay with it all the time. Yeah. And that's what God is calling us yeah. to do. That's what this parable is about. 
anybody who's been walking with God for any length of time, I believe, would testify if you were honest that it gets, it's hard over a long period of time Mm -hmm. to keep that same fervency. You come to Christ often, depending on how your experience is, but often people come to Christ and there's this excitement, there's this zeal, there's to know him. God loves me and I want to understand his plan for my life and that's normal and that's good. It's just that as time goes on and you have these things happen in your life, you know, promises that you're believing God for take longer than you think to see answers to and there are just setbacks and there are delays and you know you're raising children you just have busy time you're <laughs> starting a business you know and and so it's hard over a period of time to keep that vibrancy in our heart to keep that number one yes anybody can testify to that i think every every one of us because we go through different seasons in our life and we tend to often let that first priority, which is what the Lord says, you know, this intimate relationship, first priority, Mm -hmm. becomes second, third, or fourth because everything else just vies for it. It's like, you know, the tyranny of the urgent, they call it. And you can even go to church. I mean, this is the problem, too. Like, you could go to church. You could carry a Bible. You could pray before your meals and do things like that that are all good. But it doesn't mean you really have spiritual yes. affection for the lord and you have this desire for him as a, a bride and a bridegroom come on i mean even working in ministry it's been said that working in ministry working in the church is one of the easiest places for a person to backslide some people would be like what i thought that would be the place you'd stay closest to the lord but you can do a lot of things outwardly serving doing really good things for the lord and still let your personal relationship that intimacy with him takes second place i've seen that happen yes and you confuse that we confuse our work for the lord with personal intimacy with him just allowing him to speak to our heart making those little adjustments and you know walking in the fruit of the spirit we confuse we make the mistake and confuse it for personal Mm -hmm. intimacy just the work for the lord and so this parable highlights the danger of making that mistake as we're going to look at what some of these things mean in the parable. And it also gives us insight that we have opportunity to change Amen. and be a wise virgin. I mean, I think this is the beauty of it. You could look at that and go, I've been foolish, but I'm going to be wise as we, go, as we move forward, right? So these virgins, okay, well, let's take a look at what uh, some of the meaning is in this parable. It says it starts out, there are ten virgins who all have lamps. They go out to meet the bridegroom. Well, these virgins represent people who know God. I would say, yes. I mean, this is, I would say these are believers. Mm-hmm. Why else would you have a lamp and you go out to meet the bridegroom? Because you know, you do know him that way. You know him as a bridegroom. And so they, and they, to call them virgins, we have to understand what happens when we give our life to Christ. Uh, like you become, when you are born again, the power of the blood of Christ Hallelujah. cleanses you from all sin and unrighteousness. So you do. You and I stand as believers before the Lord as a chaste virgin, betrothed Amen. to him. And so this is what Paul in 2 Corinthians eleven two, he's told this to the Corinthian church. He said, I've espoused you or I've betrothed you to one husband. He's, he's meaning Christ. Yes. That I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. This is such an honor. It's really such a glorious Amen. truth that oh. no matter how dark your past has been, how sinful a past you've had, 
by the power of the blood of Jesus, it can all be washed away. Mm. And you've been given, you're made a new creation in Christ. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new and all things are of God. That's that chaste virgin idea. Yes. Uh, And the lamp that it represents that each virgin had, it was, it represents a ministry that brought light wherever they went. It's a ministry. You all have a ministry. God has called you to be ministers of reconciliation. Everyone is an ambassador for Christ. Everyone is to be salt and light in this world. So how many here have a ministry? Every hand should come up. Every hand should come up. If you're born again, every hand should come up. You have a ministry. So that lamp represents a ministry. All ten of them had it. And all ten of them knew about Jesus, the bridegroom. So they went out to meet him. But five were wise. Five were foolish. And look at verse 3. Let's pull this up again. Look what it says here. This is... Like Pastor Mamie says, this is the time for us to judge ourselves. This is the time for us to make the changes that are necessary. Because just like in this parable, just like in Noah, the door was shut. We, don't, we want to be ready, amen? No matter what happens, we want to be ready. And it's the intimacy. It's the oil of intimacy that we're after. Verse 3, it says, The foolish ones took their lamp but did not take any oil with them. And again, the oil speaks of a living relation with the person of Jesus Christ. It's the anointing of His Spirit upon us. It's the presence of His Spirit upon us. Yeah, yeah amen. Let's, let's hear it. That's the truth. It's when our hearts are yielded to His Word and that Word manifests in our spirit and it changes you. Amen? Right. And the more, yes, thank God is right. <laughs> and the more time we spend with Him, the more oil's coming. And who's in charge of that? Yes, you are. I am. God is in love with us so much that he is waiting, waiting personally for you. And so what we want to do is obtain this oil because this is for us. This this parable is for us. And just to clarify, the main way that we draw close to God is through his word. Amen. Number one. You really cannot know God outside Number of his one. word because he and his word are one. Mm-hmm. So we do have to be careful even in that. Like I know him. Sometimes we make up, you know, a picture of the Lord that's not even accurate in scripture. And so the, the oil of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about this intimacy comes as we spend time with God. We open up the Bible. Yes. 
Because it's like saying, you know, I want to know you. Like you open up. I'm going to read a gospel. Jesus, Holy Spirit's going to talk to me as I read. We speak to God on personal terms because this is about a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so when we do that, there's this faith that begins to operate. And it starts to tenderize your heart. All of a sudden, your spiritual ears, if you approach it in faith, you'll be amazed at what the Holy Spirit will begin to show you. You'll have these little moments where you go, oh, like this illumination comes, this understanding. It might be about anything, about the character, the trustworthiness of the Lord. Or it might be about something he says, this in your life, ah, you know, it's going to destroy you. Or it might be just something about his beauty. Yes. Something, you see something eternal in the picture of things. And so that's oil. And those moments when, when it moves your heart, it's like putting oil in, a, in your lamp. Mm-hmm. Something burns brighter inside of our heart. And there's this, it just begins to impart the more time we spend with him in the word of God and in prayer. This is why yes. we encourage you come to one of these prayer meetings. Because the atmosphere is filled with him him and it just tenderizes your heart and it also imparts a sensitivity as you spend time with god this sensitivity yes. towards i want to obey you like oh i i sense your love towards me it it helps you want to respond back in your love towards him and it sensitizes our own spirit to want to obey and that's the whole point in the little things right so the foolish it said took their lamps and they went out with the intention to be light, to be a witness for the Lord, which is all good and right, to testify to him. But it said they took no oil. Mm, mm, and mm. we can do that. We cannot spend enough time with the Lord just tenderizing our own heart, even in humility, and just kind of march out there and do a lot of things for the Lord, as good as they are. And we've seen people do this over time. You're wanting to build your ministry, expand your network, make your connections, you know, get your following on Facebook. And you're not spending enough time sensitizing your heart to things that maybe the Lord even wants to tweak in there and change about things. And you can do a lot of damage in the long run by having a large following of people, but not having really proved out your heart, even in humility before God because it, it can often turn into a power yes. play for your ego. <laughs> I, we've seen that happen. And, you know, and on the other hand, you could, you, could do, you could do a lot of good ministry, build a church even. I mean, I heard a pastor. Yes, this is uh, something. I heard a pastor, he had a conference, and he was explaining how his church grew and because there, it was a church growth conference. And he was like looking around and apparently the place looked great. I was just listening to the audio online. And this was about maybe six, seven years ago when I heard this. But he said, look at this place. Isn't this awesome? And everybody, you know, was saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks so great. He had his cafe and he had his lights and seats <laughs> and it was large and beautiful, I guess. But he said, he just kind of casually admitted. He said, well, I know it's, how'd you get here? Well, I know I, it, it took a lot of work. I did step on, I know I stepped on a lot of toes. I drove people hard. And then he just admitted, he said, I know my family even suffered for it. He said, but, but I made it. We're here. Take a look around. Isn't this place awesome? And I'm just thankful for forgiveness. And I thought, wow, I am thankful for forgiveness too. But it felt as though maybe we can use people to just fulfill some kind of our, our dream destination in ministry and that's not really the point. Come on. 
I mean, in Revelation 2, I'm gonna, we're going to read Revelation 2, 4. This is a good example of this. Like the church in Ephesus did a lot of amazing works for the Lord. And Jesus even commanded them for it. Go back and read it. Yeah. He names this thing they did. He said, you know, these are all great things. And he said, but I do have this one thing against you. And he said, if you don't change this one thing, it was important enough. If you don't change this one thing, I'm going to remove your lampstand. It was wow. like, oh, this that's was, serious. This is pretty important. <laughs> what does he say? Revelation 2, 4, he says, but I have this one charge to make against you. If you don't repent that you have left or abandoned the love that you had at first, you have deserted me, your first love. I'm telling you, it takes some meditation. And talking to the Lord, like, I don't get it. Mm. If people are doing a ton of ministry, how could you say they've, they've abandoned you? But when I take a look at the parable of the ten virgins, and I, I, I begin to realize it's this desire mm. for personal intimacy. I just don't think any of us quite get it because we don't understand how much he delights in us. We make it about doing things for him and not as much about him just delighting to be with us. Like, come talk to me. Share your heart with me. Yes. I and mean, so, geez, that's the wise virgins. That's the wise virgins. They took extra oil in their jars along with their lamps. Another one, they pursued with their whole heart acquiring that oil and made that the first priority. Can I hear amen? Amen before creating a ministry, before going out and doing all the good works, before trying to make a name for you yourself, or before you become a super volunteer. It's also a warning that if you just simply coast in your Christianity, you're in trouble. Can I hear an amen? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we acquire oil by simply positioning ourselves to receive it. When you give your whole heart here today, when you worship with all your heart to God, oil's coming. Yeah. If you stand there with a refrigerator, like a refrigerator, you're just looking around, you're just watching, and you know, you're not involved at all, you don't have your hands raised to heaven. And you, you what does a what does a baby do when he wants to get picked up? Yeah. Yeah. And do they get smothered with love? <laughs> I want that smothered in love yeah. by Jesus. Yeah. Amen. So we need to cultivate receiving oil from him. It, and it's true. It, it, we have to really desire to encounter the, the bridegroom. Yeah. We must. You know, Jesus should be the of our heart. Not like this man having the yeah. ministry and having a big church. Jesus would be number one. That's the greatest priority. That is the greatest priority over everything. Whether you're trying to increase the size of your business or ministry or whatever. Number one thing is the intimacy with Christ. It's simple. Isn't it? But <laughs> these wise virgins, once again, the priority, number one priority was 
obtaining extra oil, not just oil in the lamp, extra oil. But here's, here's what happens in the parable. Because life is long, life can be mundane. Can I hear an amen? Very routine. It says here in verse 5, the bridegroom was in a long time coming, and they became drowsy. They all became drowsy and fell asleep. See, now this, is, this isn't bad in this parable because it's talking about natural life. It's the natural processes of life. Everybody's going to sleep. This is called everyday life. Amen? But you have to maintain the intimacy daily, moment by moment. You have to ask, Lord, I know how to do this, but if you have a better way, I'd like to hear it. You just invite him into your life in everything. Help me, Lord. Help me do this. Do you know, we, what we need to do is allow those everyday choices we make... With the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? That's extra oil in your lamp. It's extra oil in your lamp. See, you don't, you don't have to have a big ministry to do this. You don't have to have money to do this. You don't have to be the number one thing. The number one thing. You don't have to be popular with a group of people. Anything. You just need to be popular with Jesus. <laughs> Amen? Because that's what he calls great. Anybody can be great in the kingdom. Anybody can be great in the kingdom. Christians. Those people who don't have Jesus, you need Jesus. Because he's coming back for his church. But we want to be the wise virgins. Amen? We don't want that door shut on us. No, we're going to keep moving forward with him. God, you could be considered great in God's eyes. Like because I think so many times we get trouble. We, we compare ourselves. Do we not do that? Yes. Well, they have that. I don't have this. They have a bigger gift. I don't have that gift. I wish I had that. But, you know, you could throw away those thoughts of I missed out because whatever it might be. Again, right. I don't have enough influence or money. And because you can be great in God's eyes simply by drawing close to him in everyday life, keeping his, him priority number one in yes. your life. What a, I've heard you know, someone say this recently. What a great equalizer, is it? So that we could all be great in God's sight. I just think it helps to just burst that bubble yeah. of competition that, that sometimes just drives us in our culture. So Jesus, you know, emphasized of course, through this parable, the intimacy with him throughout our life, like you said, not just oil in a lamp, but extra oil. And then in some seasons, we feel like, I'm doing great. My lamp is full. I've got a big jar of oil here. (laughs) I'm spending time with the Lord. Then there are other times, depending on what you go through in your life, there are seasons where you just feel like, I'm just barely, you know, keeping up. I'm treading water here. I'd you know, you're, you're busy, say, building a business or you're raising kids. You just feel like, I can't sleep. I can, you know, I get up early. I go to bed late. When yeah. is there time for anything? You might have health issues where you just feel like your body, your mind doesn't cooperate. 
with just sitting and even reading. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the only thing we can do along the way, though, is remember that this is still number one in the Lord's eyes. It's like that doesn't mean we just drift and throw everything away and say, well, I'm just going to wait till this season is over. Right in the middle of that busy season, just tell the Lord, talk to the Lord, help me. To just prioritize my time. He'll give you the power yes. to do it. It's, it's, again, it's just a matter of that priority. Because when the time came when the bridegroom was coming and those foolish virgins realized we don't have any oil, they asked the wise, give us some of your oil. You know, because the bridegroom's here. Our lamps are going out. But the wise understood right. you cannot transfer your relationship, your personal relationship that you have with the Lord and just give it to somebody. The way we give it is when you're under the anointing. Like, let's say you've been reading the word of God and you just feel oh, like God shows you something. So, and then your friend calls you and you're on the phone and you start speaking something that is just alive in your heart because right. the Lord just spoke something to you. That's how you share your oil. We are supposed to testify and let our light shine and, and share our oil and minister to others that way. But you cannot just give your heart and plant it in someone else's heart. Right, right. And say, now that lamp, you know, my lamp is his lamp and that oil is the same thing. And so we have to be wise and realize that's not transferable. You know, that we have to pay the cost ourselves. And that's really what those wise virgins were saying. Well, go buy oil for yourself. Go buy it. Because there's a cost to it. Of course, we don't buy it with money. No, right. We buy oil by how we prioritize our life. Mm -hmm. We pay the cost. We say, you know what? I'm going to have to not do this in order, Lord, to carve out time to just talk to you. See, that's, then you get, then you gain oil, but you do pay a cost for that. Yes, you do. It doesn't cost money, but you do pay a cost for it. You do pay a cost for it. How do you invest your life? Yeah, and people will say, well, you know, my wife is the spiritual one. She spends all her time with the Lord. Or my mom, you know, she was so devoted. And I'm just, you know, I'll see you in heaven, mom. Like you're riding the coattails of somebody. But come, going to heaven, you know, in Christ, it's not a family plan. <laughs> you know, it's like we each have to come on our own. You're not going to just say, hey, well, talk to my wife. She was always the spiritual one. And I don't know the answer she does. It's like, that's not going to work. The family plan. It isn't working. It doesn't work. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So he gives us opportunity when we read these parables to go, oh, I get it. I want to be wise. Just make a determination in your heart to be the wise virgin. Yes, yes, yes. Go buy yourself some oil, they said. You do it. You gain oil. You live your life. You, what is your life made up of? Your t- it's made of time. Your life is time. And money's involved with your life, isn't it? Okay. And the affection of your heart, that is what he's after. The affection of your heart. Yeah. Let's be the wise, wise yeah. virgins. And look at what he says. You know what? Listen, your, your faith will be tested, like Pastor Mamie says, the seasons in your life, you're being tested in your faith. Yeah. You are going to always be tested in your faith. Yeah. It's like gold. Scripture likens it like gold tried in first, the fire. Yeah, first Peter. Or, yeah. First Peter tried in the fire. Your faith will be tried in the fire. And what did Jesus say about uh, 
to the Laodicean church. What did he say? I counsel you, this verse, Revelations 3.18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. That you may be Come on. Rich. That you may be rich. See, this church thought they were rich because they were financially rich. They did a lot of things. They were right, uh, this church was right in the smack dab of banking, textiles, and it was a major trade route. That church was rich. They did a lot of great things. They did a lot of great things. But, you know, let's go to the next scripture because this is what Jesus said to them. It says this. Because, you know why? Their heart was lukewarm toward God. This is where we judge ourselves too. We want the fear of God to touch our hearts. Amen? Because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. He says this to the church in Laodicea. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's a real sobering statement. Right. Look, we're we're going to continue on here before we close. Revelation 3.17. See, because the outward part of this all looked great. Yeah. And, and, And the truth of it was, in that sense, it was great. And we can sometimes just judge it as a wow, like, wow, look at that. This, this is all amazing. But this is how the Lord said to them, for you say I'm rich and have stored up goods and have need of nothing. Yet you don't realize that you're wretched, yeah. miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Hmm. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire that you may be rich. And white garments that you may be dressed, that the shame of your nakedness may not appear. Mm-hmm. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Mm-hmm. So the five foolish virgins, you know, they scramble off to go find the necessary oil, you know, to get their lamps lit. And in the meantime, the bridegroom comes, the door is shut. Mm. And they, the, the, the wise go into the wedding banquet, but it was shut. To the, to the foolish ones. And then afterwards, the foolish come and they say, Lord, Lord, open the door to us. And look what he says. I mean, these, are ter- these to me are terrifying words. Yes. He says, truly, truly, I don't know you. Verse 13, but this is the Lord saying to us now, like, therefore, keep watch. Yes. Because you don't know the day or the hour. So he gives us an, a, a warning, but it's an encouragement. Watch. Be sure your heart stays open to me. Because that's the good news, really, this morning. That we're alive. We have ears to hear. Yes. You can look at your life and you could go, well, I, yeah, maybe I've been foolish. But there's time to turn it around. That's the good news. Amen. So what is he saying to you this morning? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? This is what's important. And when we prepare these messages, our biggest prayer is God speak through what we say it's not us it's what the holy spirit wants to say to your heart this morning just bow your head give him a moment what's he saying to you about oil on your lamp (laughs) i think we could all use more oil (laughs) every single one of us but what does it take well make a commitment in your heart just tell the lord 
your heart's desire. Do you want to be a wise virgin? It starts with desire. Express your desire. Respond to him in your heart. God, I want to be a wise virgin. I don't want to end up at the end of my life and just go, I was foolish. I wasted it. Help us, Holy Spirit. I pray you speak to every heart this morning that we would not get lost in the pursuit of things, even as good as they are, and lose sight of the number one thing that you want from us. You want our love. God, that we would prioritize that, and when we do, everything else starts to fall into place. Yes. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help your church. Let the fear of you, the love for you, grow in our hearts in the days ahead. We worship you, Lord. We give you glory, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. I want to talk to those people now that are never have taken Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There's something really important for you. There's no time to waste anymore. Today is the day of salvation, it says in the Bible. We understand that Noah, the Bible says that God closed the door on the ark. Time was up for all those who were watching and waiting. I'll see you. Check it out. We see here in this parable of the ten virgins, the door was shut. Pastor Mamie talked about those people who must have run to the ark at that time, banging on the door. And now we hear ten virg- five foolish virgins coming, banging on the door. Let us in. Time's up. Oh, no, I, I got... Time is running out, and today is the day of salvation. Amen. Jesus loves you so much, and you know what? He wants to free you from the power of sin. He wants to bring you out of the delusion of what success is, because the success of this world is not the success of the kingdom that will be established on this earth. If that's you today, I'm asking you to raise your hand high enough so I can see it. You online you need to give us a text we'll help you in this new life I want everybody to say this prayer Heavenly Father Father, to you you. through Jesus Christ Jesus Jesus, you said you're the door and I want to enter through you Jesus you said you're the door and I want to enter through you I'm asking you to forgive me I'm asking you to forgive me I'm asking you to save me from what's coming upon this earth. I'm asking you to save me from what's coming upon this I want to be yours. I want to be yours. I want to be one of the five wise virgins. I want to be one of the five wise virgins. I'm asking you to fill me with your spirit right now. I'm asking you to fill me with your spirit. Father God, Father God I thank you for your love for me. Thank you for your love for me. I receive it. I receive it. I'm yours. I'm yours. Today. I'll live for you. I live for you the rest of my life. The rest of my life. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.